So your NCAA title or when you got proposed to the line after NCAAs? <laughs> <laughs> you got to choose it. Oh, you got to no. choose one. Team, your NCAA team title, title or proposal. Oh, no. With Josh Kerr. I'm here, David Ribbage. Josh Kerr. David Ribbage. Josh Kerr is for Begin real. Fastest D2, 1500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Ribbage. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Sit and Kick Podcast. I'm your host, David Ribbage. And I'm your better host, Josh Kerr. Today, we have a very special guest on, and uh, you may know her as the world silver medalist in the women's steeplechase, but, you know, I know her a little bit better as the green chili-loving, breakfast burrito-eating, coffee-sipping New Mexico Lobo, Courtney Ferrex. Courtney, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I worked hard on that intro. Do you like it? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Oh, brilliant. Well, I I think I'd like to kind of start with, you know, just moving into, like, your earlier days in college. Like, I would say the, 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 the kind of part of your college career that less people know about you know you've been you've been in the spotlight since I know obviously since you've come to the Lobos and then moved on from there but you know tell me a little bit about your kind of experience at UMKC and you know would anything have changed in your career if you stayed there for your fifth year um that's a good question you know we'd really come up with a good setup at UMKC and you know coach Butler was my coach there and so um, I was really lucky to have his guidance but you know moving into the team environment that I had at UNM was a really good step for me. UMKC, I was lucky early on to have some really great upperclassmen to learn from, but then I did get to a point where I was training a lot on my own and that got hard at times. And, um, I think I learned a lot through that, but getting to have kind of that part of my career and then the part of New Mexico, I think has been important to, in helping me develop into the athlete I am today. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think me starting at UMKC was exactly what I needed to do. I, you know, coming in out of high school, I'd never run the mile or two mile on track. I had a 224, 800 meter PR in the 800 and I'd run one season of cross country. So I just didn't know what I was getting myself into. So I think I was able to learn a lot and being in a smaller environment was perfect. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, you know, how did that opportunity to go to UNM like a rise I know that um coach Butler was at UNM before and and had experience with Joe and in, in, in the school and things but how did that kind of opportunity arise and, and what made that final decision where you're like okay UNM is the place for me to go for that last year yeah so my whole last year at UMKC like I had a great relationship with the girls but I knew I wasn't being fully challenged and so it was like every other week I'd be like, oh, maybe I should look at transferring for my fifth year. And then it was like, no, like I really want to keep building what we have here. And I didn't want to leave Coach Butler. And so going into that summer, I'd actually decided I was going to stay um, for my fifth year at UMKC. And then I think it was beginning of July, um, the former assistant coach at UNM left and the job opened up. And because of Coach Butler's former like having worked with Joe before, Joe knew he wanted to hire him. And so all of a sudden, Coach Butler was leaving. And that was a really key part in me being at UMKC and being happy was having Coach Butler as my coach. And especially going into it being my last year in the NCAA and an Olympic year, I really wanted the continuity of of having Coach Butler coach me. And so 
um, it was a really stressful process because trying to transfer in July of your, <laughs> like going into your fifth year is not ideal. And um, I did actually look at other schools too, just to make sure I was, you know, considering all options. I, but ultimately, you know, the team at UNM had just placed third at cross nationals and not only did they have the opportunity to pursue an individual, um, you know, championship in track and field, I had the cross country season and I really wanted to make the most of that. And, you know, at that point I qualified to NCAA cross twice by myself and it was a really fun experience, but getting to go with the team sounded like <laughs> the ultimate dream. And so I was like, okay, why wouldn't I put myself in this position to be a part of a team that could get on the podium um, potentially win and then additionally have the continuity of having you know the same coach so everything kind of just fell in place and um, gosh I was so nervous because you know <laughs> here I was like you know the big a, a big fish in a kind of a small pond at UMKC you know I was competing at the division one level but you know I was the best on my team and I was going into a program that I was I think I had the fourth fastest 5k PR of you know that team and so that was pretty intimidating because I knew I was potentially going to be a little in over my head in terms of the training. So Josh has limited experience with NCAA cross country championships. Um, we don't have to get into his, um, 2017. Wow. Was that 2017, Josh? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Well, we don't have to get into that. Um, but, but I agree with you when you were talking about like the opportunity to, um, kind of pursue an NCAA cross country team title. I remember, going to NCAA cross country for the division two level and seeing these teams hold up trophies and kind of like the camaraderie of those athletes. And, um, when I qualified as an individual, my sophomore year, my coach and I flew back and he's like, well, what, what's next then for you? And I was like, well, I want to get a team to come to nationals. Like this is such a team driven sport and cross country, such like a, a team driven environment that like, that was the coolest moment for me. It wasn't necessarily my own race, but seeing like those other teams, like go together on the podium, grab their trophies and just like celebrate each other. And so that's really cool um, to be able to hear that as well, because I know a lot of our listeners are kind of team oriented and a lot of the questions that people um, send in revolve around cross country and whether they're the fifth man or the first man, it really is all about just like everyone coming together for like a single moment. Um, so Kansas City, that's where um, you went to school before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that elevation, um, according to Bing, is 897 <laughs> feet. Um, was it intimidating at all, not only to transfer in your fifth year, but also go to altitude? Yeah, I was I was nervous about it. I'd had, you know, a few experiences. I'd actually been to Albuquerque a couple of times prior to moving there. Um, but I'd only ever been at altitude for a week at a time. And then, you know, you, that's not really a good test to see how you're going to handle it. But, you know, I was like, okay, I just need to trust that the coaches deal with this sort of situation all the time. And so, um, you know, thankfully, I was also starting grad school. And uh, so I was going to have a little more free time in terms of being able to prioritize the recovery side of things. But um, yeah, you know, I didn't know how I was going to react to it. And it really took just a lot of trust that Coach Butler was going to guide me in the right direction. Did you did you finish your grad school? No. <laughs> what were you doing? What program were you doing? Um, I was in a community health education program, and I actually ended up, I really enjoyed it. It just, when the opportunity to join Bowerman came up, I had to move up here to Portland. And so that's actually, with all the, you know, free time I've been having lately, I've been actually looking into options into how to <laughs> finish my master's degree and or like maybe transfer over some credits to start a new one. 
So yeah, I think I think you have normally about seven years to finish a masters is what yeah. I've looked into. So I think I'm sure you'll be able to. I think a, a big thing at UNM is uh, we obviously used to get a ton of grads. So the sports admin degree would be the one that like most people would do because it'd be the easiest one. And uh, we had so many dropouts from it because people would just do a year from it. And it was just like the, the, the professors were getting so annoyed with people because the dropout rate for the for the degree was horrible. But yeah, I think, um, you know, having that structure with classes and, and stuff like that. And, you know, you had, you know, a lot of great friends and, and the girls got along pretty well. So like, how, how do you feel like that, like team aspect and, you know, winning NCAAs as a team kind of propelled you onto your individual NCAA title when you came into the into the spring? I think it totally just changed my outlook on, on training and um, I just I was super happy you know like like I said UMKC was a wonderful chapter for me and I have really great relationships with the team there still and um, but training alone did get hard and there, that was a real reality and then coming into UNM and just being able to run with people every day and pushed, being pushed in practice was a whole whole new thing. And um, I think it gave me a lot of confidence then going into this, onto the start lines of races because I knew I'd been kind of pushed more to my limit than maybe prior. Um, and just, you know, being around a lot of really like-minded individuals, you know, I would like a lot of us kind of, hoped to be in the mix possibly for um you know 2016 NCAA titles or you know maybe even the conversation for the Olympic team and so um having like like-minded goals like and people that are like-minded it it's it makes a huge difference and I didn't realize that I think because I had trained by myself for so long I just sort of convinced myself that that was why it was good and <laughs> it's because I could just put all my energy into what I needed and what I wanted and I realized like it's so much better sharing it with someone like other people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I never really got that experience like Dave said. So, uh, I mean, I went individually and it was the worst thing ever, but you know, <laughs> whatever. I, it's not like I finished like 211th or anything, but that wasn't anything about it. Um, so, you know, you got into the situation and then you were able to take, um, indoors off. Like, was that like, that was a massive, like would, if you had the indoor eligibility, would you have taken it or did you have the indoor eligibility? I didn't have eligibility. Yeah. Okay. So, so that little bit of a break was nice. Yeah. And that was planned on purpose. Um, okay. when we had decided that I was going to do my fifth year, initially I was going to do the full year and then going into my, my, um, my fourth year of college, I'd started to progress and hit the Olympic standard. And I realized that maybe we should kind of, put more of our eggs in just doing the two seasons for the last year. And um, Coach Butler was all for that. And so I think that was really key in helping me to balance having success at the NCAA level and then being able to be ready for the Olympic trials. Because the prior year I did all three seasons and did USAs. And by the time USAs came around, like I was <laughs> kind of fried. <laughs> so, um, you know, and we made the decision that, because I didn't have eligibility, like I didn't race at all. I didn't even work out during the indoor season. Wow. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, so you, you swapped vests. You're you're now with UNM, but your competition really didn't change a whole lot through college, especially in the women's steeplechase, because I know um, you and Colleen kind of went back and forth through like the latter half of your guys' collegiate careers. 
and you finish runner-up to her in 2015, is that correct? Mm -hmm. And then you win in 2016. Um, And it's funny now looking and seeing how intertwined your guys' lives are. Like, not only are you guys teammates, but, you know, Joshua Sides, who's with her at Florida State, Mm -hmm. and then your husband now work together um, at Portland State. And it's just so... Talk about kind of like that rivalry between you you two um, in college, whether it was a rivalry or not. Um, but talk about kind of that experience of having that competition and then both of you guys making that team in 2016. Yeah, you know, Colleen, someone that I've known of or known who she was since high school, because we actually are both from Missouri as well. And oh, cool. um, um, she is someone, though, that, you know, she was the one winning the races and I was, you know, kind of back. And so I knew who she was, but she didn't know who I was. And then I think we first met in 2013 and um, I just made my first NCAA championship and she was just really nice, like offered to cool down with me. That kind of, um, it made me feel welcome to this NCAA steeplechase environment. And so, um, but at the same time, like she was a competitor, but it was neat to have that relationship and um, also know like every time I stepped on the line, like if she was in the race or Leah, like, like I was going to have to be my very best. And so 2015 was one of my favorite seasons because I really felt like I had to rise to the occasion every time I was racing, especially in, or in the steeple. And so, um, you know, when I saw she signed to Bowerman and I kind of saw that the women's team was really being developed, I knew that whole next year, like I wanted to have an opportunity to join, to be able to, for us to work together, to be able to get, you know, to the next level. And so, um, signing with Bowerman and then having both of us on the starting line, even though we hadn't trained together up until that moment, like there was still like the sort of like team effect happening. Like when we pulled up beside each other in the last 200, it was like, okay, we're both getting on this team. Like not one of us, like we're both going to. And I think that, um, having that provides like a sense of like calm because it's, kind of like practice you know and so it's like you're working together out there yeah I think I want to move a little bit back to your NCAA performance um in your last year was I remember sitting in the crowd just watching it and I was still a freshman at this time and and I watched you because you ran the NCAA record at the NCAA championships correct yeah and I, I was just sitting there like it was one of those things where like it's a classic runner thing where like I was like wow that's awesome but then I was like Mm, I'd rather that be me you know what I mean like where it's like <laughs> yeah I really want to do that as well like because the crowd was going crazy like I was standing everyone was going mental and then like and you know it was that realization like I've got to do this like this 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 has to be me sort of thing so I know you definitely give a lot of inspiration to the guys and girls on the UNM team as well so that was that was a pretty cool experience to kind of see that shift where people were like okay so people from our school can do that like like it's not that far away so you definitely had such an impact at UNM and you know as soon as that race is over and you know you've got to then start having you know the big decisions you know what professional group you're going to go to like talk to me about like that experience or that yeah that whole experience of you know who you were talking to and agents and coaches and obviously coach Butler is a fantastic coach and it must have been tough to kind of make that decision but I do think I remember you saying that he was kind of pushing it as well that mm-hmm. you would you know go on and, and do do different things yeah I have to touch on the race really quick because yeah. it's so yeah. interesting you bring that up because I sat you know two days before watching Alice yeah. and you know she ended up finishing runner-up but she laid everything out there like leading you know 
practically what, like 9,800 meters of a 10K. And I watched that and thought, wow, like she took that race into her hands and made it happen. And she ended up performing amazing. And so I like feel like that's how I was able to find like the way I ran. So that's really neat. Like how, I don't know, I love when I see things like that, the like chain of inspiration happening. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so yeah, the, um, oh, the professional process. So that was one of the upsides also of ha- not having the indoor season was I was able to take a lot of that time to kind of look at options, um, speak with a lot of agents. Um, living in Albuquerque is actually a really good spot to be in order to, you know, kind of visit some various groups. Um, two groups I looked at were actually visiting Albuquerque to we're in Flagstaff. So I drove over to Flagstaff for a weekend to visit the groups. Um, so a lot of them I was able to do, you know, within a kind of four hour um, driving distance, like looking, talking with coaches. And it was nice to like, not even just talk on the phone, but actually like interact in person and even just spend a weekend, like how do their camps operate? Like how do this, how does the team operate? And um, I took one, um, visit to a group outside of kind of that small bubble and that was to Bowerman I flew up to Portland and spent a weekend with the girls and um it was fun it was like college visits all over again and um especially for me like I didn't have a lot of opportunities out of high school because I was so new to running and so I was kind of like okay like take a chance on me and so it was (laughs) neat to like kind of be the reverse and have some different options to look at but um I think that my experience on the team at UNM that cross country season really shaped how I approached like what I was looking for in a professional team. Um, and, and that was how I landed on Bowerman. I knew that I was going to be pushed in the steeple because I wouldn't be the only steeple chaser. And I felt like I would be a really good match for Colleen, especially our strengths are opposite. You know, she is a fantastic 1500 meter runner and her speed is amazing and then I kind of come from more of the 5k side so I felt like that would be a good match and then um you know I had known Shelby for a really long or for a while at that point and I knew we got along really well and so um it felt it felt right and so um but as much as you know what you want to do like even until you're done with your NCAA you know um season you have to just it's it's kind of a waiting game like okay like do the companies want me and so (laughs) I'm sure that was, you guys know that, like the waiting, like, okay, like, am I going to get an offer and stuff like that? So like, I'd kind of looked at all my options and, you know, figured out like hopefully what direction I wanted to go in, you know, by almost May, but the three weeks between NCAAs and the trials were still as stressful as I, they could have been. So yeah, I think that's something that doesn't get enough credit is like the amount of stress that does actually get put on um, collegiate athletes in that transition process, especially with that window being closed all the way up until you can make a decision. Um, and it's like I remember the process being like you have these contracts available. Some of these contracts expire at this date. You're also graduating in USA's is also in two weeks and you need to finish mm-hmm. finals. And it's just like all these things wrapped around your mind. And did you have any resources to kind of reach out and speak with people that have already gone through that process to kind of reassure you or help you make decisions? Or was it mostly just you and um, your coaches speaking on what's best to do? 
Um, the coaches were really helpful and especially, you know, like Joe in particular had just worked with Sammy Silva in terms of the process of going to Bowerman. And so that felt comfortable. And then Sammy actually had gone with the same agent I went with. Um, so that was really nice. And, um, a lot of the girls in various groups that I talked with offered advice in terms of just, you know, like find what fits for you. Like they weren't going to be like upset in terms of like, uh, if I didn't end up there, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. um, and another person who was really helpful was actually Alistair Craig who works for my agent, but he really wanted to help me like feel as le- like least amount of stress possible in the whole situation. And he really emphasized me finding, um, wherever was going to make me happy. And so I really went with that piece of advice, but I mean, regardless of however much advice you can get, it's still like hard sitting there waiting for a company to decide your worth, you know, like, Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, thankfully like coach Butler was awesome through the whole process and encouraging. And he really trusted like what I was thinking. And he was also all in on me going to try something new, even though we were very comfortable with the training situation we had. Um, and then someone who I cannot thank enough for helping me in those few weeks was Rona Auckland. And she, you know, I actually injured my foot at NCAAs and I couldn't run for basically the whole next week. Um, so I had the stress of that leading into the Olympic trials, plus all of these other things going on. And she came to me and said, anything you need me to do, if it's make you dinner or drive to the store or anything, you just let me know. And so even though, you know, it didn't have anything to do with necessarily the contract, just like taking any other stress like out of my life, like during those three weeks was huge. And I like feel so lucky that I had teammates like that, that were willing to just make any environment less stressful. Um, yeah. Ron is badass. We'll, we'll give her awesome. a shot. <laughs> <laughs> so like from, um, you know, you run the collegiate record in the steeplechase at NCAA, but then you're, you're coming out into possibly the hardest women's event in the U S. Um, and it's just so deep. It, it, was there ever a thought in your whole career should I change event? Like, should I move to the 5k or run something a little bit, you know, different? No, I think I've always, since I tried the steeplechase, I've known that was the right event for me. And I think a lot of it is just, it felt right from the very beginning. And it wasn't like I opened up in anything crazy fast, but it just felt like I'd finally found where I belonged on the track because cross country, I fell in love with right away. But track, it, I just couldn't seem to figure out where I fit. And so that was why in high school, um, I often was doing field events and stuff because I just like hadn't found the right thing. Um, and so I think I love that I can bring a lot of my strengths from gymnastics into running. Um, that excites me. And um, so, yeah, I'm definitely a steeplechaser through and through. <laughs> <laughs> um you bring up high school a lot, and I feel like you and I's story um, is pretty similar just in terms of, like, development, like, kind of coming out of high school, maybe on the little underdeveloped side, um, and college options were there, but it wasn't just knocking on the door every single day trying to get you to go to school. 
Um, so like right now, um, in today's climate, I know you've been doing a lot of zoom calls with high school athletes. What's your conversation with them like, um, to kind of keep them motivated and keep them reassured? About, oh, just like the future. Just in, yeah, in general. Yeah, yeah. Just everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing I like really push, um, with a lot of high schoolers is, especially this day and age with social media and the availability to know what everybody's doing is that it's okay if your path doesn't look like someone else's. Um, you probably know that. Like I have the most unusual path to where I've gotten, but I'm proud of the decisions I made along the way. And I think that's made me who I am. And I think if you're choosing what you're passionate about as you're going on, that's going to help you find success. Um, and just like pursuing any goals, like it's okay if it isn't what everyone else is doing. You know, I was still running, but pursuing goals of trying to make, you know, nationals in gymnastics or things like that. Um, I think that speaks volumes. Like when you dedicate yourself to something. The water jump must have been pretty easy then <laughs> for you to get over if you're doing gymnastics. Cause I see some of the gymnastics stuff and like, there's no way that it, like the rings blow my mind. Like even the balance beam. What what was your favorite gymnastics event? Are they called bars. events? Yeah, events. Bars? Yeah, bars. Yeah. Up until I signed with Nike, I would go and visit my gymnastics coach like during time off from running, and I'd bring my grips and hop back on the bars. But I think the last time I went was right after we won NCAA cross, <laughs> <laughs> and actually like tried to do anything. Nowadays, I'll go see them, but it's you know pretty tame. I don't think they'd be very happy if I injured myself. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'd have a very good go at it, but I think David would be better than me. Um, so, you know, talking about now, you know, what's the structure right now for Barman? Like, you know, obviously there's, like for us, like we don't have official practice. Um, I'm in back in New Mexico. A lot of people went back home and, and kind of spending a bit of time with their families or girlfriends, husbands, whatever. So, um, well, yeah, what's that structure like? I know that you're not you know out training as a big 20 squad yeah right now. what's that like what's your day-to-day -day looking like right now yeah we're not meeting as a group um yeah our normal team would be like yeah 20 25 people uh so and you know i ideally we wish we could have you know gone to a training camp at like some point if we would have been on a normal schedule but um i live close to campus and so campus itself is shut but the trail is open so I run there every day luckily Griffin runs a lot um so he's been kind of my daily training partner I'll see other people out there because a lot of us do live in the same area um but we've strategically like cause since we are all in Portland like kind of planned out who's going where at what time in terms of the tracks so that way we all don't show up at the same time um <laughs> But it's definitely been different. You know, it's, you know, we make the most of it, but it's, it's hard sometimes like with certain workouts to, when there isn't an immediate race on the schedule to feel like, you know, some intensity that is required for some workouts, like some of those more specific type workouts, it's hard to like find that mindset, but it's good practice, I think. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I think, a lot of, yeah. home, oh, go on, a lot of home gym. Uh, <laughs> yeah. which definitely is another area that it's much more fun when you're with people yeah I, you know it, yeah it's it, it's a really tough time for everyone and you know are you guys thinking about doing you know time trials or I know there's obviously no rate there's the 
what's Jesse's meet called the virtual races are coming on and and things like that but you know I do think motivation for most athletes is is tough at the moment and Mm -hmm. you know I know that Danny's given us what he likes to call his baby workouts, but I like to call them monstrous workouts. But, um, you know, it's 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 tough to kind of get yourself up and get yourself out and doing your thing. But I guess when it is your job and we're still getting paid for it, it's exactly, you know, you, know, you still you still got to get out and do it. But, um, yeah, it's it's tough. It really is. Dave, I had the worst workout in my life. Yeah, I was going to say you talk about doing workouts because it's our <laughs> job, but you also stopped a 10 mile tempo at four miles but yeah. you know it's, it's i didn't okay. want to bring that up that's oh. why i was stuttering but yeah it's, it's whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean average for four is not I, too bad <laughs> i feel like it ebbs and flows some days i'm like you know what it doesn't matter if i have a race on this schedule like i'm so motivated to be the best athlete i can be like that's what drives me and i'll have like a great week and then i'll have one day where i'm like oh, I'm tired. I don't feel good. Like, why am I doing this? I'm not racing until August at the earliest. (laughs) Yeah. Has Jerry added any reassurance with you guys, um, just with communication on kind of what's going on? He's tried the best he can. You know, we had one of the Zoom calls that everyone is using. And yeah, uh, but I mean, the reality that I think everyone, like I've even hopped onto some of the USATF Zoom calls and, um, it's unfortunate that no one knows anything. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, and I preach this to a lot of young athletes. The best thing you can have is trust in your coaches. And so that's what I just keep reminding myself is like to take the advice that I always give and just to trust that Jerry will have a plan. And um, ultimately the plan is to set us up to be ready for the Olympic year and um, anything we can get out of this year is still going to be a, you know, a step in the right direction. So um, fitness gained is still going to help in the future, whether it gets to be shown off this year or not. (laughs) Yeah. You you know, with, with the, you know, steeplechase getting taken out of the diamond leagues, I know you like to go down to the 1500 and just, just roll, but you know, and just make an absolute, (laughs) But uh, yeah, like, and you go to the 5K as well. Is that going to be something that you, would you go to Diamond Leagues and do different events or are you just, you know, going to call it from that? Um, oh gosh. I think like, that's a good question. <laughs> I, don't I don't think anyone on the... Yeah, I don't yeah. know that I'm in a position necessarily to quite put myself into like a Diamond League level 1500. Um <laughs> that is an area I need to keep working on. And so that was something I really hope to, if we have some races this season, like continue to try to find improvement in the 1500. But, you know, we were going to have some decent options of, you know, okay, they're not for Diamond League points, but they're still going to be a part of the Diamond League program, um, steeplechase opportunities. And so my hope was that um, majority of the top competition would show up just because, um you know, racing at the international level, I think is for me the best way to go into the, you know, either a world championship final or an Olympic final, you know, feeling ready to go to contend for a medal. So um, hopefully I'll be able to get into some of those fields, you know, everything's up in the air, but that's definitely what I, what I would want to do. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've, it, I know that Emma Coburn came out and said that she wasn't going to race any of the diamond leagues and i think that's a pretty bold statement and you know it's pretty cool but yeah it is tough to you know what other steeplechases are out there other than the diamond leagues on it on on the world circuit it's going to be tough to kind of 
do your thing there but yeah and I think that for me like um something I something she's really good at consistently doing is like really putting herself in that front pack like no matter what you know how hot the pace is and I kind of struggle to do that on a consistent basis and so we felt like if these diamond leagues or these steeples that were going to be at the diamond leagues were going to be of the quality that I needed to try to take advantage of those opportunities since that's what um I need to get more comfortable doing in order to be in contention on the the bigger stage more consistently. So with these build up to like these races and, you know, a lot of structure is built around like championships and world championships, um, but then also their structure at these diamond leagues. So we all know like the life away at home and altitude camps and things like that. Kind of, what, where's like the favorite place that you've actually been at camp for a long stint of time? And how does, um, I guess, your family respond to just you being either in a different country for like eight weeks at a time or just in like a totally different location? Um, so my favorite place probably in the world's train is St. Moritz. Um, before London, we were there for, I think, about six weeks. Um, you just can't beat the running there and... I don't know, life feels really simple there. You know, you don't need a car. You walk to the grocery store. And then it is one of those unique places where you can train high, or live high and actually train at 1,000 feet um, for, like, hard sessions. So, um, and obviously it led into a really big moment in my career. So I think no matter what, I'm going to feel really high about it. But, you know, it was a, a unique situation, and I had to learn. I'm not great necessarily with communication with my phone, texting, picking up the phone and calling someone. Um, so I definitely had to learn to maybe prioritize a FaceTime, um, you know, date with Griffin or like calling my mom, you know, stuff like that. Since, you know, living in a different country for an extended amount of time means, you know, you can't just kind of go about the normal. David has a hard time with that. You know, he uh, he's joined the hit with his girlfriend and he's just looking for any advice really to make it. As <laughs> yeah, easy as I'm possible. mostly just, I need a like relationship counseling on this. You know, <laughs> living with my girlfriend now. Um, I said I'm in love in our uh, group chat today. So I know Josh is just uh, giving me a hard time about how openly um, proud I am about my relationship. But yeah, so I'm taking notes right now. Those are all good things that I'm going to keep in mind. Setting up date phone calls. Well, the thing is about um, it is, Dave, we have communication degrees, so we shouldn't be lacking on that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, so back to you, Courtney, and not my love life. Um <laughs> So you talked about London, and that was one of the things that we wanted to talk about, too. So how how did London Worlds, in Josh's words, change your life? <laughs> I don't know why I added um, the rainbow. But. <laughs> Gosh, London. Um, London sucked, by the way. Just thought that there for me. Hey, Josh, there's a reason uh, the greatest uh, UNM athlete of all time is our guest. Um, not you. So we're going to we're going to hear her London over. experience. I'll get over it. It's fine. I'll just you did, I mean, you did make worlds as like a junior. So that's pretty. It's whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, um, you know, London was I hit a goal there that I think I kind of thought I would be pursuing majority of my career. So it kind of, you know, I reset a lot of goals after that. But it also just was huge in me, I guess, finally sort of finding my feet at the international level. Um, I think every time you change levels, there's a a period of time where you kind of have to figure things out. And 
as prepared as you think you can be um, until you're there. You don't really know what it's going to be like. And that was what happened to me the previous year was um, I had really learned how to handle every level of competition in 2016, you know, the NCAA domestically, you know, at the trials. But then I got to Rio and I just put everyone on the pedestal and I just really ran scared. Um, I didn't, you know, show up and really feel like I belonged. And so um, London was the moment that I finally ran like I belonged. Um, I mean, that's a quick transition really from Rio. I I don't want to cut you off, but like in Rio, you finished 11th and then you double back and get second at London. So, I mean, well, was that 20? Yeah. So it's like, what was that transition then? Because you said you put people on a pedestal, then all of a sudden you're on the podium. Yeah, I think, I mean, I touch on this all the time, but a lot of it was trust. Um, I don't know that I would have in my, I wouldn't have told you I thought I was going into that, but the coaches were so confident in my fitness that they were like, all we want from you out of this race is to have put yourself in it from, from the gun. Not the whole, okay, I'm going to try to get up there halfway through. Like, from the gun, you're going to go with the front pack. Whatever happens, we don't care, but just, like, actually go for this. Like, that's, you know, in your professional career and or any career, like, athletic-wise, you're only going to get so many opportunities, but you want to be able to be there to actually, like, you know, capitalize on them. And that was one of those days that everything did come together and me putting myself in the race allowed me to capitalize on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't say everything was easy that year. (laughs) Like I think most people will talk the first year at any new level is really challenging and difficult. And as much as I thought I was fully prepared to make the jump to the professional level, um, I still wasn't, I didn't, I never expected just how hard it was going to be. And that's what's beautiful about being able to be in these training groups and getting to learn from people who have been running for five, ten years. But it also, you have to learn how to respect the fact that it's taken them five to ten years to get to that point. But also not just, like, always give yourself that way out. Like, be hard on yourself, but also be kind to yourself, too. Um, And so I think... I had a hard time finding that balance the whole year and I think things were pretty up and down and I just I just wanted to leave London feeling like I'd taken some sort of risk because that was something I don't do very often in my running um I'm a pretty safe racer at times and um that's something I am constantly trying to get better about and um I finally did that in London and so I think that that's a huge step for me in, or was a huge step for me in my running to where I hopefully will be able to more consistently draw on that person I was on the start line there. Yeah, I mean, taking risk of that that level of competition is just, it is important because, you know, you're you're there and you've got so many people on the same level where, you know, it is all about, you know, you know, you might be running against people that have ran faster than you in the end, but you know what, if you're, you know, ballsy enough to go out and do what you want to do and, and run your own race, it's definitely going to be the difference in, in the, you know, the little seconds that, you know, split 
being on the podium and, and being in that terrible fourth or fifth place or sixth place is pretty bad as well. Um, but, you know, tell me more about the partying. I want to know what happened. After the after the finish line, what happened? Were you, like, out partying all night the next day and then you stumbled onto the podium or what, what happened? Um, well, I was in drug testing for a long time. Yeah. Just, <laughs> the beauty uh, of, you know, like, immediately being taken into drug testing. Um I had a moment to do like a short cool down and I was actually by myself other than just the woman kind of observing me. And I think kind of being able to take that in alone was like whenever it all kind of hit me because everything in the victory lap was such a whirlwind that um, that was whenever I was just like, oh my gosh, like what the heck just happened? But um, we got back to the hotel, I don't know, 11 p.m., 11.30. It was pretty late and that year was one of those years that we planned to keep racing. So, um, there really wasn't anything wild. I know it's kind of, um, it was more of a, you know, I got back to the hotel and team USA always does a thing where they try to gather athletes who are either done competing or, um, maybe aren't competing for a while. And they, um, kind of have them waiting for people when they come back from, like either having meddled or something. And so I walk into the lobby of the hotel and there's a bunch of other Team USA athletes and they were applauding me and giving me hugs and that was really neat. Um, and then we just, I sat and ate dinner with my family and the coaches and then my family left and it was just me and the coaches and <laughs> we sat and ate ice cream. <laughs> and <laughs> I know it's so tame. Like that's like... But Wild! <laughs> probably knows me that that's actually probably expected. Yeah. So didn't see her quite once in my freshman year of UNM. <laughs> Doesn't so, respect the sauce. Um, that's yeah, funny. Then, um, I know you had a speech as well at the the Nike. Um, did you do a speech there? Right. Like when you medal for uh, that world oh, championship. Yeah, they like we went to the um, hospitality, but hospitality. Yeah. yeah, and they just recognized medalists, and so that was pretty neat. And um, we were able to find tickets finally because my parents actually didn't have tickets for that that night, uh, and so we were trying to figure out how they were going to be able to go to be able to see me get the medal, <laughs> um, which it was actually a really hard night to get tickets for because it was Mo Farah's last race. Oh, yeah. In London. And so, um, thankfully, um, you know, Nike came through for me with some tickets for my family. But (laughs) (laughs) it was, yeah, it was pretty tame. But also, everything was, like, perfect for, I guess, me. Like, I'm just (laughs) not a super wild person. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, So, on Josh and I's podcast, we have um, the segment called The Banter Bowl. Um, and it's typically a time where Josh and I either roast each other, um, hurt each other's feelings, or a guest <laughs> specifically. Um, but with you, we're doing something called Favorites with Frericks. Um, and so it's something a little bit more specific to you. And the goal of it is for you to choose one or the other, um, even though both of them are great things. Um, just off the top of your head, you have to choose one or the other. Um, and so we're going to start with in the Favorites with Frericks episode. Um World silver or American record in the steeplechase? Silver. Okay. We did one one each here, Dev? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, fave moment on the same day between. What the heck does that mean, Dev? Read the next line, Josh. 
Oh, got it. Communication major. <laughs> so your NCAA title or when you got proposed to the line after NCAAs. <laughs> you got to choose it. Oh, you got to no. choose one. Team, your team title or proposal. Oh, no. <laughs> you know the right it's answer. You just hard. don't want to have to go with proposal. There it is. <laughs> okay. Um, favorite burrito. This isn't an option, but favorite burrito in uh, UNM or New Mexico. Winnings. RIP. RIP. Current available Dugans. Huge. So Java Joe's isn't even on that list. Java Joe's sucks. I don't know why our team likes that so much. Dude, Java really... Joe's is the best. Java you can Joe's get a burrito. Is solid, but. Dugans. I gotta go Dugans. Yeah. yeah. Uh, red chili or green chili? Green. Strong. Um. <laughs> uh, Joe Frank. Wait, are you a are you a Christmas type person? Like, do you like to mix them? No, no, I'm usually all green, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't Christmas either. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, Joe Frank, Joe Franklin's favorite athlete, Josh, or you? <laughs> um, I mean, I probably cause less trouble, so. Oh. I mean, that, that's, that's... I, I got better after after my freshman year. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, Josh was just a little boy when he got to UNM, so. Seventeen. Were there were there any story? Do you have any stories of Josh kind of coming through the ranks of UNM that first year? We don't. We didn't really I, talk. I was just thinking about when. Remember we went to Hemas and you got kicked out of the car. <laughs> oh, kicked out of the car. You were like running down the road, and we were like all the way in Hemas Springs. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. yeah. That trip was fun. That was a fun trip, actually. I got very burnt that day. That's when I realized in New Mexico you have to wear sun cream. <laughs> <laughs> um, French bread Friday or French bread Friday or Frerichs Friday. Dave, you're getting very good with this stuff. Oh, Thanks. Man. What could mine be? Frerichs Friday is just... <laughs> it's just a day all about me. Ice cream just a day culture. all about you. You could literally I be like eating a French one. bread. Yeah. <laughs> Was that like a, a running joke between um, Courtney or um, Colleen and Shelby with the French bread and French braid? Yeah, it was really funny. Like Shelby was talking about it for a while, kind of, you know, kind of making fun of it. And then Colleen loved it. And so the two of them just kind of went with it and it kind of fit their personalities pretty perfect. So um, I, en- I enjoyed when Shelby was still doing it because it, you know, brought out a personality on social media. <laughs> I don't want to ask this last question because I'm not um, um, U UMKC or UNM. Oh, no. Yeah. See, I can't pick because yeah, you have to. they're it's part both, of the game. like, so important. <laughs> I mean, you, you love them both equally. Um, yeah. And, and we understand that. But UMKC or UNM? <laughs> oh, no. You have to call one out, so it's whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna stay silent until it's answered. Yeah, we I mean, can cut this part out. Yeah, we can just we can just cut the long pause. We could have you have an immediate answer if we, we wanted could also, to. Just, oh my also gosh. just edit whatever you, whatever we want you to say. So that's fine. <laughs> Either works. I mean, I guess for the sake of what my favorite year in the NCAA was was at UNM. There it is. Fair. Wow. And that'll Fair. wrap up the episode, Dave. Yeah, and yeah, so that pretty much sums up the episode, um, and we really appreciate you on. It was a 
really exciting episode um, for Josh because he finally got to talk like with one of his role models, and <laughs> he he got to talk with someone that really kind of set the tone for him um, at the NCAA level. And all week he's been texting me about it, and he's like, "Frerick's at 1 p.m. We're, we got to get this going," <laughs> and he's been working really hard to make sure this episode's right. Um, so. We really appreciate um, you taking the time out of um, your really, really busy days right now um, to yeah, sit down and, and, and chat with us. Well, thank you for having me. This has been fun. It's neat to yeah connect with other runners, but also just, I don't know, I feel like it's fun to connect back with Josh because <laughs> I've enjoyed seeing him grow into the athlete he is, especially from the little freshman that he, because Josh was 17 when he got to campus, so... <laughs> I was maybe a little bit bigger at that point as well, but we, we can talk about that in a different episode. It's fine. Was, I grew yeah. as a person. I didn't grow in weight, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. You're lucky this is a podcast, Josh. When you lifted your arms, you're pretty sweaty and nervous under there. So yeah, It's been a tough episode for me, Dave, and it's warm in New Mexico, so whatever. <laughs> uh, perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and, you know, our, we're elevating our episodes out here. He wants to kick. He's got to go now. What's Josh Kerr? All right, here's David Ribbage. Josh Kerr. David Ribbage. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest D2, 1,500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Ribbage.